0: Bhomājñānati madandasya jñānānjana śalākāya cakśurunmiddhām Prabhupāda emphasized in many places and at many times about how the books would change the world. But I could see that some devotees couldn't see how that was possible. At least they weren't seeing the immediate results. So, and when I want to change the slide, I'll just go like this. So, first of all, I wanted to talk about the future of the book, because oftentimes there's a little bit of wonderment about the book and how it will last uh, when it's up against the electronic medium. And uh, there's been plenty of research that shows that books are holding their own all over the world, that there's uh, not been a decrease in the demand for paper books. We're also, in the BBT, making more digital platforms available. Of course, they're always available, but we are also noticing that the... uh, the demand for paper, for books, reading books is, has, uh, has not slipped at all, even in the face of increasing uh, e-books. So books are containers, and what they have inside are idea seats. And when the books go out into the world, they affect people. The the soul, the living entity, is described as tatasta which means that uh, it can live either in the spiritual or the material world, or can be influenced by either energy. And so, what I like to say is, that each soul is open to suggestion. That's why there's advertisement, and I just noticed the other day when I was walking around, I think in Denver, that there are various advertisements just on the street and they catch your eye and then next thing you think, oh, I need one of those. So easily are, or am I subjected to the power of suggestion. So, okay. <laughs> Regarding the social movements, who here has um, read or let's say heard of uh, the theory of evolution. And how many of you here have read Origin of the Species? So, normally in a room of 100, 200, 500 people, like three people raise their hand. you are in an unusual group here in Delaware. But even, even so, the point is that the concept of evolution is widespread. In fact, it's embedded in People's minds, and I find often when I read books about self-improvement and so forth, people just make an a priori assumption that everyone believes in in evolution, and they'll say something like, "Well, when we were roaming the the savanna, and there was a, <clears throat> you were foraging, and things like that, we were living in caves, and then we evolved. It was it became hardwired. It's part of our evolution." So this concept actually comes from a book, uh, Origin of the Species, and there have been other uh, books that have greatly influenced, like Adam Smith's The Wealth of the Nation, uh, different economic concepts in the world, ones that people fight and die for and consider that this is, it has to be this way or that way. And then, very interesting case of Fidel Castro, who is, who is imprisoned. He, Tried for a coup, and it failed. He was a revolutionary, obviously. And then while he was in prison, he was writing his ideas about how to affect social change, political change, economic change. And his uh, fiance at the time was visiting him, and he would hand her the papers, but there was apparently nothing on them because he wrote them in lime juice. And then she took them out, and reconstituted them by putting them in the sun, and then uh, compiled it into a booklet. And by the time he got out of prison, there was already an atmosphere among the people ready for revolution. This was uh, the opinion of uh, NPR, or actually this is a BBC, I forget who uh, presented this, But they gave entire history, and they were talking about how he had, through his writings, uh, created this atmosphere for for change and revolution. He was successful. And then we have America. Thomas Thomas Paine's book, booklet rather, Common Sense, is still today considered the best-selling book per capita of all times because he sold it in the colonies and almost everybody bought it. And uh, according to historians, I found it t- to be unanimous. That was what uh, galvanized the colonists to rise up against the British crown. And that was the, which gave him strength to, to move towards this revolution, which ended up in this great experiment we call the United States of America. So it started from the written word. So all these movements, and there are many more um, are created because people pick up the book they read it and the ideology the ideal seed idea seeds uh, spill out from the book they go into people's minds and hearts and uh, that creates uh, social change so uh, what to speak of the Bible Bible got around the world quite a bit especially when we changed from uh, scrolls. You see on the left-hand side, is an example of a, a scroll written by hand on palm leaf. People used to copy them, they'd use a stylus and the scribe would press it down on the palm leaf and then later on it was put in the sun. And wherever the impression was made, then the, the dark uh, letters would show up. And then on the other side, we have the example of a printing press and the printing press revolutionized the world. Um, and actually, the first uh, person to uh, come up with a uh, efficient printing press was uh, Gutenberg. And his main purpose was to print Bibles. After him, the Royal Bible Society picked it up. And there were more and more improvements on printing presses, especially to get Bibles out And um, it had a market effect on spreading Christian uh, Christian consciousness around the world, Christianity, Christianity, uh, what to speak of Martin Luther's papers, which made it around the world. And Lutheranism became prominent in the world because of the spread of his literature. So in this way, in the book, I make this uh, case uh, that distribution of literature is a strategy through which one can actually affect society. We notice in many... Societies ruled by despots, one of the first things, first orders of business is to um, censor and also ban books or even burn them. That's been the case in in several places around the world because um, in Hitler's Germany there was book burning, in China, also in Germany and, so, and many other places, uh, because when people get books, they get dangerous because they get ideas. So our our book distribution is not... A, simply a sentimental exercise. It actually has a strategic uh, um, purpose and effect on the world, which is to to um, propagate the knowledge and to embed these um, ideas for positive change in the world by letting people have access to these books. The ideas seeds spill out, and it affects change in the world. So, we're part of what's called a sampradaya, and <coughs> When we talk about a sampradaya, you have to look at the word, and the word itself means to give the greatest gift. Sampradaya. Sam means complete, and daya means bequeathment, to pass on something very valuable to other people. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was uh, enamored of books. He found the Brahma Samhita, as I mentioned last night, in the Adikeshava temple, and he had it copied by hand and passed out to all his favorite disciples. It's still available today in uh, printed form he also passed on the Krishna karnamrita same thing he went to the trouble of having it uh, copied and passed on to, to his f- uh, favorite disciples so now I want you to notice something about this picture and the subsequent pictures and um, to to voice it when you see it do you see anything this is uh, at the beginning of creation when Krishna plays his flute and Brahma hears it and uh, so Brahma is the first created being at the beginning of creation. I want you to look at his picture and see if there's anything anachronistic about it. It's a book. That is correct. Why does that it seem odd? It doesn't seem odd. It
1: just makes it like knowledge is important. Who wrote yeah, the
0: book? yeah. Who wrote the book? But even important, most importantly, the book was created so early. Well, yeah. How did they print it? I mean, was there paper at the beginning of creation and what, so forth? Um, printing presses weren't invented until later there weren't a lot of books hanging around in fact it's
1: a representation of knowledge yeah exactly
0: but I just wanted to point out that it's there as a symbol it's not factual because he didn't need a book at that time people remembered things without having to have books according to the histories but the reason it's there is as you're saying very accurately we're called the sampradaya of the book Prabhinda Prabhu wrote about that in the introduction to my book that he wrote. That, uh, and now let's move on and I'll show you what I mean. Here's Srila Vyasadeva. What's he sitting there writing? A book. Correct. And we have Srila Madhvacharya. And what is he holding in his left hand there? Right hand, sorry. Yeah, it's actually booked the way they used to be. They were in these uh, in a scroll form on palm leaves, but he's holding uh, books in his hand. And what is Srila Rupa Goswami kneeling before? Books. That's correct. How about Srila Sanatana Goswami? What is he sitting there writing? Books. And how about the six Goswamis? What are they famous for? Their books. And then we have. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, what is he posing with? Books, books. His books. And how about Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, what's he posing with? Books. And how about this one? Books. Do we, did you notice any pattern? Yes. Yes? <laughs> yes? <laughs> so, the, um, the great acharyas in our line were all promoting books. They uh, compiled the most important information, the essential information, and even when we go back to the beginning with the Bhagavatam at Naimisharanya, sages are asking Sutta Goswami to show them what's the most important part of all the scriptures so that they can propagate it, so they can make it available to people in general. So that um, important to remember that it's not uh, something recent it's actually our tradition and the real purpose of Sampradaya is meant to give gifts and the best (coughs) gift that one can give is a gift of knowledge so that people can help themselves before I switch over to the other slide slide pack I'm done with this one but uh, are there any reflections Means anything that you heard that stuck in your mind. I like uh, the term idea seeds, you know. Yeah. That, that'll stick. Yeah. The idea seeds get in your mind and then they grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we see it a lot of times when books go out, people look at them, they read something, they put it down, and even later that seed sprouts. I just met a, a Brahmachari the other day and he t- told me how his mother had had a book for 20 years. And then when he was born, he started searching and then he was looking at various literatures and wasn't satisfied and she said, I just remembered something. Before you were born, I bought this book and maybe, maybe you'd like it. And handed him the Bhagavad Gita and he did like it. I've seen it before with many other books how they sometimes... Sit and they're waiting like seeds. They can sit there for a little while and then sprout at the right time. Any other thoughts? Yes, Prabhu? That
2: although this technology is moving towards e books, a lot of people want to read, but books are holding their own.
0: Yes, books are holding their own. And of course, we want to also propagate e books, but sometimes when we show uh, books to people, they'll uh, they will say, well, I'd rather have it in electronic form or isn't it available in electronic form? But especially with the Bhagavatam, when we present the set, we point out that the book has a f- physical form and shape and beauty and having books in your home actually has an aesthetic and spiritual effect, just keeping them in your house. It's, it's something I, I notice, like, if you go to a boutique hotel or something like that, they always put books because it makes it look sophisticated. (laughs) You know, you walk in, there's a pile of books somewhere, and uh, you feel more at home. It's kind of not only homey, but also you feel like, wow, there's some intelligent life here or something like that. So there is a physical effect from having transcendental literature in your home. It's suggested in the Nectar Devotion that one should keep the literature in one's home and, and respect it. Actually, Bhagavatam used to be kept on the altar in temples. And they'd bring it out for, you know, special people to read it out loud. And actually I saw samples, not samples, but I saw original Bhagavatams recently when we were in the UK. There's a the devotee there named Kartik Chandra Prabhu. And he's uh, a pundit and also a collector of, of these ancient Bhagavad Gitas, Bhag, uh, Mahabharata and Bhagavatams. And he showed us some uh, one Bhagavatam that was over 500 years old. It was written by hand. And can you imagine what the ink was, was that they used to write the letters for the Bhagwatom? It was twenty-four karat gold. <laughs> and so Bhagavatam was written in uh, twenty-four karat gold, and there were there were many many copies. In fact, when the um, Mughal invasions came into India, northern India, when the uh, Mughals invaded, they were they would. St- uh, steal and Arangzeb. They would uh, plunder those uh, uh, original scriptures from the temples and they'd burn them. And uh, then they'd collect all the gold. It, they, there was a saying that it would keep you warm at night and rich in the morning because at night it was freezing cold there in Vrindavan and other places so they'd make a big fire with the books that they stole. And then the, in the morning they'd just have a huge pool of gold from all the writings so um, the written the written scriptures have been around for a long time, and uh, we're carrying on the tradition by taking books out, making them available to people. Could we switch over to the other side program, the one that's called SOS? It's we'll the other tab. <sighs> Is everyone okay so far? Okay. So, the first part of this is that the sadhana, book distribution and sadhana are intertwined because book distribution is high sadhana and in order to do book distribution it requires that one is also performing sadhana, especially hearing and chanting. So... Prabhupada writes in various places in his books that your sadhana should be strict, serious, and sincere in order to be effective. And when you have strict, serious, and sincere sadhana, you can get a taste. And it's actually through absorption that we make advancement. When we're doing sadhana, we're able to become absorbed. And let me give you an example of what I mean by absorption, and that is that if you've ever had the experience of when you're chanting, thinking, uh, uh, what time is it and how, when am I going to be finished with this chanting? For instance, uh, I'm in a hurry and how long is this round going to take and when am I going to get to the end of it? That's chanting more in the flow of time, external time. But absorption can be experienced when one is, for instance, chanting and then feels as if uh, he or she has forgotten about time. Like, you're not aware that you're in the middle of a round, you don't know where you are, but you don't care, because you're just absorbed in the sound vibration and you continue to chant. And also, you're not looking at the clock thinking when it's gonna be over. Rather, when you finish your, your round or your 16 rounds, you're thinking, oh, that got over too quickly, I wish I could go more. That's what an experience of absorption is. And so it's important to, to organize one's life to reap, reach absorption in, in sadhana, whatever way that it is, without distraction and actually catching the mind on the, on the nectar of the hearing and chanting so that it is tasting something. And when we have taste, then we can distribute the overflow. And really in book distribution or any kind of teaching of Krishna consciousness, we're giving up the overflow of our own sadhana it's something that comes out of us that it becomes attractive to others so one of the ways of sadhana is that the day starts the night before so last night we got home at about midnight so <laughs> but normally when you know one's practicing strict sadhana going to bed on time as much as possible so one can get up early is very effective for Good sadhana. And then, um, japa circle is something we've been experimenting with and it's been very successful. Uh, Instead of sitting alone and chanting, which is nice also, but at intervals or or as much as possible, when we sit together in a circle and chant japa, we find that there's a a lot more impetus to be focused. And even at intervals, we stop and talk about the uh, power of the holy name we did a little bit this morning, but we're finding in various places it can be really effective. It's part of our campaign called Make a Great Again. <laughs> and that um, although there's many complexities in our lives and, and a lot of ways that we have to attend to duties, still if we attend to the basics of our sadhana every day, That will be effective. So I like to say we win with the basics in sadhana. One of them is a chapter a day of Bhagavad Gita. So at least chanting the Sanskrit verses or just reading the English verses. Uh, If you complete a chapter a day or some of the bigger chapters, you can divide them into half and do half a chapter a day. If you stay on that schedule, you find that the the Bhagavad Gita is very nourishing and gives a a kind of... um, Taste that you can't get anywhere else. And remembering that, uh, well, there's in Japanese a chirimutsamareba yamatanaru. It says the old saying there that uh, specks of dust add up to a mountain. So you keep adding uh, even a little bit of advancement or even a little contribution to your sadhana rather than thinking, because I can't do everything, then I won't do anything. But whatever whatever we can do at any given time adds up. And every time there's a small victory, which means instead of diverting my mind somewhere else to something that is uh, uh, contentless or not very nourishing, spiritually, I do my chapter of Gita or I finish my chanting, then that's like, a, it is a, a victory. And those little victories add up over time. Prabhupada wrote, please encourage the others to read this Bhagavad Gita at least one chapter every day. And he wrote, Bhagavad Gita as it is should be read by all my students at least one chapter a day. So he advocated it in many places. We have a a website called readchad.com and uh, there are thousands of devotees around the world who are doing one chapter of Bhagavad Gita a day. So if you want to feel part of the group, you can... um, Check in to readchad.com and find out which chapter they're doing this month. It's uh, chapter four of the Bhagavad Gita, starting with text number 22, going to the end. And then they also do um, check-ins with everybody, and especially uh, during Kartik and other times, um, people like to comment a lot about how they're doing with their chapters. We also created an app called Be a Sage page by page. It's on Android and iOS. And it it was born out of my own um, desire to see how I could complete Prabhupada's books in a systematic way. And then I heard a a talk by Brian Tracy, and he was talking about goals and how how easy it is to divide things, How dividing things into smaller parts makes things much easier to accomplish big tasks. So then it caught my mind that these books are numbered. So we just counted up all the pages and we said, okay, the Bhagavatam has a finite number of pages and verses. So then I made a chart on paper that I distributed for many years and people really liked it because it listed all the Prabhupada's books and how many pages each one had. And then had a grid that showed how many pages you had to read each day in order to finish at a certain time interval. So we discovered if you wanted to finish the whole Bhagavatam in one year, all you had to read is 41 pages a day. And if you wanted to read it in five years, where that's all you had time for, you could read eight pages a day. And that's a something you could afford. Like a lot of times when people are selling something, they'll say, you know, this vacuum cleaner is... Talking about two pennies a day, <laughs> or whatever it is, more like two dollars a day nowadays. But when you break it up into small pieces, it seems uh, plausible. And so I I recommend this app. It's very helpful to a lot of people. You could also track your progress there, and it also give you reminders to read. And if you don't have a book with you, you yes. Does it do? Is
1: there any app that does study guides with it? Um, Because, like, that is something that I run into, like, I know in, like, the rooms, like, with AA or NA or or even, like, Course in Miracles or whatever, you can always buy, like, the book for dummies or the study guide to do with, like, your friend to, like, if you have questions about it or whatever. mm. That's where I'm, like... I want the study guide version of the Babad Gita, that I can sit there and do the chapter right alongside the study guide with the chapter, so if I have questions on it, I can be working back and forth.
0: And yeah, there's a study guide. There is? Yeah, I don't have it digitally attached to this, but I can I can uh, make sure that you get a copy. Okay, So that's just...
1: where I was like, I, I wish I literally had, that's what I asked Scott the other week, I was like, is there, a you. I've said to, told Scott that he should write the Bhagavad Gita for dummies because he breaks it down and then changes it into the English that I understand. Mm-hmm. And like he can break six chat six paragraphs down into two words, and I'm like, oh, now I understand what they're trying to say. Yep. But that's what I was. like. There are
0: quite a few of them out there, Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita. Okay. So
1: that's where I get i'll pass them on
0: to scott if you can remind me yeah, and then he can pass because okay. that's where
1: i get lost in it all the time like, good suggestion I, i've been reading the Gita since i was i first read it when i was 14 i see but i i get lost in it so many times that yeah. i'm just like i don't understand this and i throw it across the room
0: yeah <laughs> yeah that'll help okay So regarding the great art of book distribution, which is the phrase Prabhupada used to use, and he knew because he was the original book distributor, he himself, by himself, had created his own books and taken them out, distributed them, he also had them published. And when he came to America, that's what he came equipped with was was books. So book distribution is high sadhana. It's actually a practice through which you get spiritual blood. This was the statement of Śrīla Bhakti He said, when you go out and you present Krishna consciousness and people, um, there's some friction sometimes. He said, that's when you get spiritual blood for your spiritual body, mm-hmm. is taking the trouble to present, even when there's disagreement or somebody um, ignores you or something like that. So the gopī's mood, Prabhupāda confirmed, was that bring other people to Krishna. That's the mood of advanced devotees as they're always thinking how to help others and bring them closer. It's the mood of book distribution. The monthly Sanctum festivals become popular all over the world. Actually, we started at an ISV with the idea of like starting somewhere, because we had a grahasta community. People are busy. So we said once a month, we'll get everybody to go out together. What will we call it? Monthly Sancton Festival. I said, that's not a very good name, but then it just stuck and it became <laughs> MSF. And so it's a fun, organized way of sharing Krishna's mercy and everyone's welcome. So it's, it's, it's a time when everyone comes together and uh, works as a team. So it's a, it's, You get carried along by the energy, so it's not like you feel intimidated going out by yourself. And it's highly organized. This is our ritual. Uh, here, it looks funny, but what we're doing is touching the pavement. I'm not sure where this is. I think it's telling uh, from the pictures. If I'm in the UK or, or Alachua or somewhere. And um, so when we take the group out, we tell them, you know, we're not going out to distribute books. We're just going out to the spot and we touch the pavement. And once you touch the pavement, once you make it out there to the spot, then you're done for the day and anything you do after that is extra. So it takes all the pressure off everybody. Nobody thinks I have to perform. It's, a, it's more about the group exercise of getting out the door. And then without pressure, people feel more creative and they, they feel relaxed to present at their own speed. So our prime directive is to leave everyone with a good impression when we're presenting. So you don't have to um, talk to people who aren't interested And also, when we are talking to people, we should go out of our way to make them feel uh, appreciated, don't condescend, and so forth. And preaching means giving. It means that we have gifts to give. As we said, sampradaya means giving the ultimate gifts. Treating people with respect. Because if we see that their souls, Christians within the heart of every person, will not just respect humans, but all living entities. Offer kind words, that uh, people appreciate that because they don't get a lot of that. And when you, you're you able to offer kind words to people, it makes a difference. Practice listening to people also when we're out presenting. Don't be condescending. Make people feel special. So there's, there's a way that... Uh, <clears throat> If you, can, if you can imagine that everybody has a little sign around their neck that says, make me feel special. Mm-hmm. When you meet people and you realize that every person is unique and special, they have some special quality about them. Uh, even if you don't know what it is in a generalized sense, I mean, every person is like a miracle. And so if you keep that in mind and that's how you approach people, then um, that's the, the way of, of uh, making friends with people and uh, opening the channel so they can give them the gift of, of knowledge. Can you imagine everyone with a sign around their neck that says, make me feel special? Say yes. Yeah. All right, we'll turn to somebody next to you and try to make them feel special. <laughs> Come on. I was sitting here and I not See, doesn't it feel terrible when somebody tries to make you feel special? <laughs> <laughs> so if you're wondering like how to align yourself when you go out for book distribution, this is the mood, is is consider that people have that sign around their neck and just make them feel special and you'll notice right away. That you're, you're able, with many people, to, to build rapport right away by appreciating them. And so express gratitude all the time to, as, to the people you live with, the people you meet on Sankerton. Our motto is ABS, always better service. So the ABS principle is especially finding wherever the gaps are in our, on our team or any of the processes that we're involved with and then fixing the gaps. So we have a system, an ABS system, where we always list where our shortcomings are, and we keep a a list of those, and then we prioritize, and we make sure we make at least three improvements every month. And you'll notice that they start to add up, and people notice it. We're Krishna's instruments. So when we go out for book distribution, you don't have to be a big performer, and you don't have to be a big genius, you just have to be an instrument. And remember, you're just going out there doing the best you can with what you have and if Krishna wants to use you, then he will. And so you don't have to get attached or, or nervous or anything like that. Remain humble and hungry. Remember that uh, we're just insignificant servants of Krishna and so if we remain hum- hum- humble and hungry, we're in the right mood. We're going out for self-purification. You'll never be disappointed if you go out for self-purification. Remember, we save one soul at a time, starting with myself. And this is important principle, picking the right fruits. Because the Srimad uh, the Bhagavatam actually says that we shouldn't try to convince people who are not interested. Taradineshu Balisheshu Dusatsucha, Prima Maitri, Kripo Peksha, Yakaroti Samadhyamaha. The the Shastra says that um, we should look for people who are they're like they're called Bali They're innocent and they're open. And for them we try to pour in kripa, which means mercy. Try to give them as much as possible. But for people who are duishatsu, which means they're they're envious or they don't like what you're doing then we're supposed to be upaksha. That means avoidant. You, d- you avoid them, you don't, you don't try to engage them more because it'll make them more angry and uh, resent you more. So you have permission to just look for the people who are open. So that's what I call picking the ripe fruits. And that's natural, because when you pick r- fruits from a tree, you look for the ripe ones and you leave the unripe ones on the tree so success is not a mystery, it's a recipe. And here are some of the elements of the recipe. What gets measured gets improved. So in our sadhana, that's why we have counter beads; We pull them down every time we finish a round because we're counting, we're measuring. If you didn't measure, then you might you know, not know how much you're doing and the mind can trick you and take you off the... Path of Strixadana. Did I knock it over? I'll try again. And also with book distribution, there's ways of measuring our success. It helps. What gets measured gets improved. Start small and grow. With the monthly Sanctified Festival, doesn't it doesn't matter how small your team is, if you just start. That's the picture of Vamanadeva on the right. He was a little dwarf, but he grew to occupy the whole universe. So, there he is on the left, it's a cute little brahmachari. And then there he is taking the universal form when he grew. Also, this is a principle that helps a lot. It's called and Explorer, I stole it from Charles Schwab. But the fact is, with book distribution, when uh, oftentimes you get used to going to a certain place, or distributing a, a particular book, or using a particular technique, but uh, take 20% of the time to explore new things, new areas, new kinds of distribution. You can continue the 80% that works, but on the 20%, experiment, try new stuff. Sometimes you do 20% of the day like that, or sometimes, you know, of the month, take some time. When we first started ISV, most of the devotees there are Indian, so they really like going to Indian stores, and we were doing huge, and I told them, now you have to learn uh, Mandarin and start going to Chinese areas. And they really liked it. They learned uh, enough in Mandarin to be able to present in that. That was part of the explore. And then you know we started mandating other kinds of areas and new experiences. And now they've become really well-rounded. And we've discovered a lot of ways of distributing. It's not just one way. There's so many ways that you can do it. So you have to poke around and see. So goals are potent. That was my friend Will McCoy. who used to say goals are potent. And we find that when you set a goal, it's like a flipping a switch and the energy comes in. Because then you start thinking, how am I going to attain this? This is a mantra that really helps with, with the team and that's where attention goes, energy flows. Even individually, if we keep asking this question, where am I putting my attention? Because my energy is going to flow there. And that's the main asset that we have is our attention. A lot of people each doing a little bit. This is the mainstay of the MSF. It's a sustainable model because everyone can do just their little bit, whatever they can afford to do, and it's fine. And we encourage everyone to do their smallest little bit. There's something for everybody. There's some service for everybody. And keep the bar low and then start. Don't don't you not have to have some huge lofty goal? It's the simplest things that you can do are helpful. Here's a few more innovations in book distribution that have worked really well. Smart box. We have these stands. At the bottom right-hand corner, you'll see the books are in a little plexiglass stand, and next to it is a donation box, and it has a, a, a place where you can insert a um color plate and you we have various choices of color plates that are appropriate for different kinds of stores and cultures and they've been very successful you'll see there's a label on the books too that shows a price and um people just take the books out of the box and then they put the money in the box it came from honor snack of america Mm -hmm. and uh if you like to distribute while you sleep, this is for you. Bhadrapunima, it happens in September. It's the day on which, when you distribute a, when you give away the gift of Bhagavatam, you get the gift yourself of going back home, back to Godhead. So this year in September, we did 7,000 sets of Bhagavatams worldwide. And the goal for 2020 is 10,000 sets. So Delaware should. Probably do at least a few hundred. <coughs> Special events and festivals are really helpful. If you can find places where, you know, like-minded people who are in sattvagun are are congregating, there you can set up a table with a permit and you do really well. Shastradan, which includes uh, Motogita, placing uh, Bhagavad Gita's in Hospitals and motels has been really successful. And corporate book distribution is huge. If you have devotees who are working in corporate, uh, we have a team. The, the uh, devotee <coughs> on the far right, Devi Dasi, has pioneered this program, has been really successful at doing corporate sankirtan. Her team in, in Silicon Valley, just in corporates, that is cult- cultivating people. This at, that's at Intel right there. But we do at Oracle and and uh, Salesforce and everything else. Just you know, messing around, they are able to collect over two hundred thousand dollars last year. Uh, you know, doing this work in the corporates, so that's something that you can look into also. So is it that you uh, distribute to individuals that work within the corporation, or well, most people that work in the corporations. Part of it is that when people work in corporations. Um, the the corporations oftentimes uh, give uh, have that, and people are looking to give something anyway. A lot of times at the end of the year, because it helps them with their taxes. That's changed a little bit. The Bush administration changed that tax law a little bit, but still we're finding that it's very it's viable. So during the first eleven months of the year, the, the the devotees who work in corporate go out of their way to cultivate people, and in the last month. They're the ones that the people think about when they want to give a donation. What was your question? Yeah, uh, you answered it. I did? How to, what it means to do corporate book distribution, exactly. Yeah. There is a, uh, we have a a section on distributebooks.com that uh, Shraddhadevi Dasi is giving a seminar on it at ISV. And you can watch that and she'll give you the, the scoop, the lowdown on how to do corporate book distribution. It's a lot of fun, and it's it, you know, it's good. Can collect, collect well there. Kids' Sanctorum is huge. Uh, many years ago, I think about, yeah, about 11, 12 years ago, I took out five five-year-olds with me on book distribution, along with their parents, just to see how it would go. And they were, um, they were really excited to be out there. And I watched how they were kind of naturally enthusiastic and people really liked them. And um, so we's, we formed from there a, 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 an official team where the parents are uh, chaperoning the kids and helping them. First time, the kids went out and they had an experience where they got rejected at a door and they were noticeably disappointed. And Kamishri, who was leading that team, sat everybody down in a nearby playground and they talked about it. Like, what does it mean to be rejected? You know, Should we take it personally? And they learned to process it. That's something a lot of people don't learn in their whole life. But we, we find these kids are growing up doing sankirtan, that they, uh, they become really well-rounded. They become leaders. They learn how to talk to all kinds of people. And so taking the kids out on sankirtan uh, in a very organized way and we do have seminars specifically on that. It is something I highly recommend because it kind of helps to glue the community together too. It's one of the times when parents and kids can be together to do the service rather than going to different parts of the community. Sell in bunches. Uh, Tom Hopkins who wrote a book called The Greatest Salesman in the World. I just remember it from the old days but one of his phrases was whatever you can sell one of you can sell in bunches like bananas so there's a a trend right now for putting books together into bunches like there's a, a stack of books uh, in New York City they started tying together the books with ribbon and so they have different stacks one of them has seven books the other one has more than that and they call it different things like Shuptarishi and mahatatva and um I saw it for myself when I was there in New York. People are very happy to buy seven books, and they only charge seven dollars a book. It's forty-nine dollars, and people are kind of amazed by that, and they're happy to walk away with seven books. So the same energy that you took to sell one book, you can sell seven, and the difference between somebody giving five or seven dollars and forty-nine is significant, but they don't seem to notice the difference. <laughs> Okay. language cards, uh, that's one of the language cards that person is holding there in his hand. And we have uh, language cards for all the different uh, languages that the books are in. So when you go to a, an area where you don't speak the language or you meet somebody who, um, who speaks a language you don't uh, understand or can't communicate in, don't worry. It's actually easier to distribute to people when you don't know their language using language cards because all you have to do is hand them the book, then hand them the card, and stand in mountain pose until uh, they give you their answer. And they know that you know that they know what we're talking about, because it's already translated on the card. Yeah, you can do it in English too. Uh, In fact, one of the ways we do have cards that sort of take people, it's at a glance, how to sell the Bhagavad Gita, and I've told a lot of the new, uh, distributors that just use the card and ask, tell people I'm a first-timer, I've never done this before, could you help me through the process? And it's amazing because people go, oh, sure, I'll help you. Right. Okay, you're supposed to say this now, and then they're like, all right, now I'm supposed to give a donation. <laughs> now, I'll give you the donation. <laughs> so it's not about being sophisticated, it's about being real with people, and they actually do uh, help you when you do that. Uh, we had a group in our last couple of yatras in uh, Jagannath Puri, and Mayapur. In Jagannath Puri we had about 100 devotees, and many of them were China and Japan. And they didn't speak any English, what to speak of Aryan or Bengali. But we, we uh, brought in 5,000 books during our yatra there. We were there five days and we distributed 5,000 books. And it was the Chinese devotees... Japanese devotees and a few Europeans and Americans talking to Koreans. But they were using the language cards. We found the formula of how to distribute a book and that is when you approach somebody in Arissa uh, with a book, you first you t- kick off your shoes because that means you're doing something spiritual and then they kick their shoes off. And then you hand them the book, then you hand them the card, then you stand in mountain pose and then they go, donate. So these are available. They can, you can download them off to distributebooks.com from PDFs, and, it, and you can have them printed out and available for whatever areas you're going to next. Dom Sankradam. Yeah, there we are. See, see the devotees with their shoes kicked off. That's in Arissa, where all, all the devotees are out distributing books. How to distribute to Hindus? That's different from... We just had a someone. big
1: conversation about this. A you did?
0: How did? What was the conclusion?
1: It, it wasn't distributing books. It was about the difference between Krishna conscious and Hindu.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Let, there's, a, there's a technique to sell to Indians. And that is, I'll show you now. Don't hand them anything. Because if you hand them... A, say you go to a door and there's, a, there's an Indian at the door. If you hand them a Bhagavad Gita, they'll get insulted. Because like handing a, a Christian a Bible or a, a Muslim a Koran, a they're thinking that you're condescending. It's like, what are you trying to say? I don't, I don't have the Gita, I don't know the Gita, and that they'll say, I know this, I have this, and so forth. So if you hand them anything, they'll immediately reject it, in most cases. So don't hand them anything. That's the first thing. The second thing is that uh, second thing is that instead of handing them something, just make friends without handing them anything. And the way to make friends, let's see if it's in here, is to ask where they're from and appreciate their region. Like, uh, you know, if they're from South India, you can talk about any of the the wars and, um, you know, the the acharyas from that area, uh, Sri Ramanuja and so forth. Just appreciate and make friends with them first. And then what I tell them is... uh, you already know this. Uh, uh, you, you know this better than I do. Say that. You know, know better than I do. That's a mantra you can keep handy all the time for everyone. But when you're talking to people, don't condescend means always pull back from the condescension because the main reason people don't want to listen to you is because they think that you're going to try to teach them something they, are, they don't know yet. And people don't like that oftentimes. They're not walking around really open like, I hope somebody teaches me or corrects me today. I hope somebody comes up and tells me my life is useless and I should take up something else. They're not thinking like that. So if you use this mantra that uh, you know better than I do, you know this better than I do, you know this better than I do, and especially with Indians, you know better than I do, then it evens it out so they're not feeling the sense of condescension. So I tell them the world's problems, as you know better than I do, the world's problems can only be solved from a spiritual platform. And you know better than I do that the best non-sectarian knowledge comes from the Gita. Oh, you can go back. Uh, So then uh, after uh, we tell them what we're doing, we say that we're doing work to uh, make the Bhagavad Gita available to solve the world's problems in many different languages to people who have never heard of it before. And we're also putting it in schools, we're teaching classes, we're making study guides and that uh, all we're doing is asking for money. So if you ask Indians for money before you give them anything, if you give them something first, they'll think it's tit for tat. They'll say, I can get this cheaper on Amazon or something like that, or they'll feel insulted by it. But if you you don't hand them anything and just tell them it's a fundraiser and we're collecting money, they'll be more than happy to help. They like to give money. So they'll give you money, and then after they give you the money, then you start giving them the books, and then they really appreciate it. So it's just the a slight re- reverse. is a gift, yeah. It's a gift after their donation, it's rather than a selling it gift. Donation. That's right.
1: We're not trying to sell you anything. We're we'll
0: just giving. But a once gift. you hand them something, then even a card or something like that, then they will like, "Okay, it's on the internet. I'll, I'll just, I'll do it there." That's another mistake sometimes. Deities make halfway through the presentation. People, do you have a card? If somebody asks you for a card, it means that's how they're going to try to get out of it, because I think I have your card. I'm good now. I'll get in touch with you. You know, and it, when people say, "Do you have a website or something?" I said, "Oh yeah, we have all that, but I won't tell them what it is <laughs> <laughs> until we finish the transaction." Okay. And the next is uh, distributing it in, uh, in multiple languages. Hotels, hospitals, and uh, hostels, and schools is also available. Oh, I guess that's what's part of the dialogue. We tell them that's where we're putting the books. Then we tell them we're doing a fundraiser. And after that, they give the donation. Then we give them a book. So Sankratan's fun and easy. Everyone say it. Sankratan is fun and easy. Actually, it should say book distribution is fun and easy. Hey, look, there's Nir Kula in the picture. You made it in there, Nir. Good. Okay. Any reflections?
2: Um, I wanted
0: to ask, what are some signs that someone is open? When they well, okay, so I haven't taught you the technique I use for distributing a Bhagavad Gita, which I can. But uh, the first thing that I do is I make a conscious contact with people, and that includes uh, seeing their eyes. Now, when I, for instance, if I. I, when I approach somebody or when somebody approaches me, like I'm standing there often and people are walking by, I'll just say, like, I'll go like this, hi. Everyone try pointing at somebody, say hi. 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 Did you get a reaction? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You got a reaction? Was it favorable? Yes. Then these are ripe fruits. <laughs> and if you go like this, you can imagine some people pretend like you never waved at them. Hi. And then it's like, you just don't say anything. Hi. Don't even nod your head. Hi. Don't even smile. Hi. <laughs> you know, some people pretend like you're not there. They're not ripe fruits. They're not open. You can't like, hey, hey, I'm talking to you. You, know? <laughs> you have to wait because some people, there are people when they're walking along and you say hi, they'll, they'll, they'll just go, hi, you know, how are you? I, I love you. You know, it's like you don't know me. But I love everybody. So they're open. Their hearts are wide open. And other people, they've already got it figured out. So, you know, like this person's trying to do, you know, they're trying to condescend. They want to take, you know, whatever. And I'm not interested in anything or disclosed. Or they don't have time. And if they don't have time, that's another thing. When people say they don't have time, they usually mean it. But I ask them a question. I don't have time. I say, are you in a big hurry? And they say, yeah, uh, I then I say, do you want me to do the five-second version? And then if they stop and go, oh, all right, you can show me the five-second version, which is rare, but sometimes it happens. Then I'll just do it really quick, and then they usually take a book. So <laughs> um, the, the thing is that, that I do this thing with the hand. It's like, hi, 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 hi. And if someone says hi to me, then I do a fist bump like this because it's a very non-committal handshake. In fact, the other day in San Francisco on Black Friday, I just stood there cuz there's thousands of people going by and I just kept holding my hand out. <laughs> and you'll find the people that are open cuz you know people they can't resist this. Even for, I've had sometimes from across the street. I see somebody, I go hi and they go hi and I go like this. <laughs> and they're like and they'll go through traffic practically and it's <laughs> like, "All right, I got to have some human contact, you know. There's something very compelling about that." And so when you do that, then you'll find the people kind of open. And then uh, I ask a question, uh, which is a qualifying question. I'll tell them where I'm from and ask them where they're from. So I'm, I'm from San Francisco, where are you from? And they say, I'm from Delaware. Really, which part? Dover. Re- or they say Delaware, and they say, I love Delaware. Wherever they're from, I love it. And say, really, you're from Delaware? I love Delaware. This is a great place. Here, this is from California to Delaware. And that's when I show them the book. So if you just walk up and you thrust a book on somebody, they're not sure why they're getting it. And the confused mind usually says no. But if you ask them a question, I'm from California, where are you from?
2: Delaware.
0: I love Delaware. Here, I'll show you one too. And then I show them the book. So they have an idea that, you know, there's, there was an opening there. Does that give an idea? Mm-hmm. Okay. Any other reflection? Or question? Do you have a hardback Gita here? Yes. Okay. So I'll show you how to sell the Bhagavad Gita on its own merit. The first part I already told you, which is uh, use the power of your hand. So, everyone, hold your hand up. There's a little beam that comes out of it from here. It's very powerful when it hits somebody. This is like those, um, what do they call it when the police have those things they hit your car with? It's like a radar gun. Radar Radar gun, yeah. (laughs) Taser comes later. (laughs) (laughs) The taser taser comes later when they don't give. (laughs) Look, man, (laughs) you take this book or I'm gonna tase you. (laughs) So this is a, a radar gun. You get to, like a policeman can tell how fast your car is going. And you can also tell them, you can judge how open a person is just by going like this, hi. And and then what the reaction will come back. It'll be anywhere from zero to 60. Like the zero is nothing. And then you get some that are like 20 miles an hour and it's like, eh and then up in, you start getting up in 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And then they're, they're
1: desperate
0: people. Yeah, and they're you just, can see. Oh, my God, Or they're just they're like really f- friendly kind of people are open, or there's some connection there. It, and as a fact, there's always a percentage of people. So you don't have to worry about convincing everybody, and you don't have to get morose if a lot of people go by and don't take, because there's a law in mathematics called the law of large numbers. And the law of large numbers says that the more times you do an experiment, the closer you get to the actual result of the experiment. (coughs) Like if you flip a coin five times and it goes heads, 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 you can't then conclude that, hey, there is no 50-50 on this. You have to flip it a thousand times and then it'll start coming close to the 50-50. So same thing when you're out on sankirtan and book distribution, you have to keep saying hi, hi, hi. And I'll give you an example of how the law of large numbers, I proved it for myself. For a few years I had to go out by myself. I was at an airport and uh, everybody that was working with me just left and went to different states. So there I was. So in order to to, uh, stay focused, I made a chart with six categories on it that described every interaction Uh, generalized that I could have with people Uh, including starting one end where people didn't look at me when I said hi and all the way up to people came over they loved the book and they gave a big donation and everything in between so whenever I did my interaction with people I just made a check mark in the appropriate box and I didn't care which box it was in I didn't care if they took a book and gave a donation or they did or they ignored me because it was only part of moving through the law of large numbers the more people I talked to, the more I knew it was going to come out to the result. And what happened was, over a few years, I kept all the results, and it showed that every week was about the same. And If I talked to a certain number of people, there were a certain number of people that stopped and came over, and other people just didn't at all. And everywhere in between, the chart filled out. So then, uh, after you, you stopped you, you get a conscious reaction from people, you ask the question, I'm from such and such, where are you from? And appreciate the place they're from and say, here, I'll show you one too. Then uh, use the word show, everyone say show. show. Because show is an innocuous word, it doesn't mean giving, it doesn't mean selling, it just means showing, because that's what we're doing. I'll show you one too. When I hand the book over, I'll say, these are books on yoga and meditation that show you how to get free from stress. Everyone's saying these are books on yoga meditation, meditation. To show you how to get free from stress, the stress. and then I asked a question because questions have a question mark has a hook and it holds the conversation it draws it in the direction that you want to go you've heard of stress before right <laughs> really because you don't look stressed in fact um, you look very peaceful in fact I'd even say you look spiritual you look spiritual What's your secret? That's my second question. So and when I, tell, I ask people if you've heard of stress, 90% of the people say, yes, I've heard of stress. Of course I've heard of stress. Or they make, you know, kind of like, yeah. Then I say, really, you don't look stressed. You look spiritual. So as you, have you ever had this experience, like you walk out and somebody comes up to you and goes, you look tired? Yeah. And then you start looking in the mirror and go, God, I do look tired. I feel tired. Or if you come out and somebody says, you look terrible, then how do you feel? Terrible. terrible. Have you ever had anybody come up to you and say, you look spiritual? No. no. But when you do it to other people, what happens is they get, attain instant self-realization. Because they are spiritual and they forgot. And when you say, you look spiritual, you watch their mind go round and round and they go, oh my God, I forgot, I'm a spirit soul. And they'll suddenly remember it. And that it changes their whole countenance. So we say that that you look spiritual. So you've heard books on yoga and meditation show you how to get free from stress. You've heard of stress, right? Yes. Really, because you don't look stressed. In fact, don't mind me saying this, but you look spiritual. Now here's the big question. Repeat after me. What's your secret? What's your what's your secret? secret? Turn to somebody next to you and ask him, what's, what's, what's your secret? What's your secret? See, what this does is... It changes this idea of i'm condescending and i'm trying to teach you something i'm there now you're the special one i'm putting you on the Vyasasana and i'm like what's your secret how did you get so spiritual it changes the relationship right so what's your secret
2: Uh, i do yoga
0: do yoga i knew it that's the kind of thing i knew you're into this so if they're in the mode of ignorance they'll say something like um you know, smoke a lot of I coffee. smoke dope. If they're in the mode of passion, they'll say, you know, I set goals, I work really hard. And if they're in the mode of goodness, they'll say, yeah, I do yoga. And then, you know, there's the people answer in different ways. And if they say, I don't know, I don't have a secret, and they say, then I say, oh, you're just a natural, eh? And then I say, great, I'll show you really quick. So now I'm taking the book back out of her hand and I say, here, I'll show you really quick. Because people are thinking now, how long is this going to take? So you say really quick. So on the back cover of the hardback Bhagavad Gita, you'll find that there's a few in, um, statements by famous personalities. Thoreau, repeat after me. Thoreau. Thoreau. Emerson. 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 Gandhi. Gandhi. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Albert Einstein. Albert
2: Einstein.
0: The Beatles. The Tupac Shakur. Tupac Shakur. They're all uh they're not all on here but they've all read the Bhagavad Gita so I just name them I just throw the names out really quickly and then I open the book to the Sanskrit and I say here can you read that? and they say no I can't read it I said I'm just kidding I'm just testing you it's been translated into English and actually these have been these uh, Bhagavad Gita has been translated over 500 times But of all the uh, translations, this has become the most popular academically. And I point here to the University of Southern California and to Georgetown University on the next page. They're both on the bottom. Then I say, here it is in a nutshell. And I turn to the uh, Changing Bodies. You see this? And I say, see, we start here. We end up here. We're just passing through. where are you in all this? Let the record show that she pointed over here. And I'm over here, I was here five minutes ago. Now, I turn to the next one, which shows the sage respecting all life because the sage sees that there's a soul within everybody. So I just sell them. This shows a self-realized person treats everybody with respect because he or she sees that there's a spirit within every everybody. Then I ask him this question. You've heard of karma, right? What does it mean to you?
2: What goes around, comes around.
0: Whoa, I really like the way you put things. If more people in the world thought like you, it would be a better world to live in. Okay, now you you ask me what karma means, and then you answer in the same way I just did. Ask me. Yeah, it means things go up and down and all around, and it's kind of weird. And then you say? Whoa, Whoa, I really like the way you put things. If more people in the world thought like you, it would be a better world to live in. And then I say, What do you do professionally?
1: What do you do professionally?
0: Okay, what do you do professionally?
1: I work for a pharmaceutical
0: company. And then I show them this picture. You see this guy here? Mm-hmm. I say, Really? This guy used to work for a pharmaceutical company. Yeah. Half the people say, Really? And they <laughs> say, No, not really. And then they laugh. And the other people just laugh right out. They go, what, what do you do professionally? They go, I, I teach ballet. And I go, really? This guy used to teach ballet. <coughs> uh, what do you do professionally? I'm a banker. Really, this guy used to be a banker. And then uh, either they say ha 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 right away or they say, really? Because they're trying to be like respectful and I say, no, not really, I'm just kidding. And then they go, ha ha ha. And then when they're saying ha ha ha, that's when I hand the book back. I say, we don't sell these like in a bookstore. We only ask for a donation. We don't need the money, but it's an ancient tradition. When you <coughs> give something in return for spiritual knowledge, it connects you to the previous teachers who have passed it down over many generations, and it allows you to enter deeply within the knowledge. How much should I give?
2: Oh, how much should I give?
0: We try to keep it under a hundred, but in your case, we're thinking about making it an exception.
2: <laughs>
0: There's no minimum. But more importantly, there's no maximum. Mm -hmm. Okay, give. (laughs) Thank you. Now after they give, then I ask him, uh, do you believe in the power of prayer? Yes. Yes, you do. And then I give him a card and I say, great, I'm gonna teach you a prayer that's meant to wake up pure love for God in your heart. And I show him the prayer. Say, it's a little hard to pronounce. See, she's got the card right here. So please repeat after me, are you ready? Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare, Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. Krishna, Krishna. Hare Hare, Hare, Hare. Hare, Rama. Hare, Rama. Hare, Rama. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama Rama, Rama, Rama. Hare, Hare Hare, Hare And then, then I hand them a piece of prasadam and they say, thank you for being so nice and thank you for taking your valuable time, it's been a, a real honor to meet you. And if they're interested, then I take their information so that they can, uh, we can be in touch with them. Any questions? Did you already know this presentation? Okay. It's not the same view. <coughs> I mean, it's much
2: better.
0: Okay. And uh, these, This is just. This is just <laughs> a, temp, a template. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I only give a template because when you have a, a structure and you know that you have something to say uh, that's reasonable. It gives you more confidence, but then after that you start innovating in different ways and riffing off of whatever um, kind of template that I just taught you. Yes, you, um, the last part about what do you do professionally. Yeah. Um, have you ever encountered people that Mis- took some I, I worry that if I were to say that someone might mistake it and be condescending on something. Yeah, because I looked at the demographic here it said most people are retired. Mm-hmm. Well, you can just say, what do you do? I just say professionally sometimes because do you think what do you do also would be condescending?
1: Um, I'm retired is a fine answer for people to say, what do you do?
0: I haven't I haven't run into people you know that are disturbed by it very much you know if, if people are like they say i'm out of work or something like that then i say, well what'd you used to do i just try i mean everyone has some identification you know mm-hmm. like what they used to do or something like when people say they're retired i said where'd you retire from mm-hmm. oh i was an army officer this guy was an army officer i just trace it back to that thing you know but you could say something else like what's your favorite hobby or, you know, I do Rubik's cube. This guy used to do Rubik's cube. It's just to leave them with a little humor at the end. That's all. Yes.
2: So I've got experiences. Of people saying I'm running. To, when I ask, like, what do you do? They say I'm running through a very difficult times. Like, then it's hard for me. Do you know?
0: To make the joke, yeah. yeah. So obviously the template is there just to have something to work from, and you have to, you know, think on your feet for these kinds of things and not inappropriately, then just charge ahead and say, Ha, oh, that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. This guy is going through tough times too. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably how you'll end up, like this. Yeah, so just just call an audible at the line and change your strategy. That's all.
1: Be a marketer. Come on. You uh-huh. know, sales.
0: <laughs> Yeah, just it, sometimes you go with the flow and then oftentimes you show somebody the Bhagavad Gita and they say, Bhagavad Gita, I mean, look at the Bhagavad Gita, how much is it? It's like, no, no, hold on, let me do the whole thing here. Yeah. You know, and then you know, don't, don't oversell it either. If someone just cuts to the chase, you just change it. It's just give ideas about elements that work. In fact, some things that really work well are asking questions like, What's your secret? And also telling people that if, if more people like you, the world would be a better place to live in, stuff like that. And then, I mean, and also tr- making them feel special. If you, if you respect people, don't condescend and make them feel special and then show them what you have, then oftentimes they feel really happy to exchange gifts with you. You know, they'll give something in return. And the donation means that I'm leaving it up to them. Uh, I'm not putting a lot of pressure on them because... I say we don't need the money. Uh, it's the, it's for you that you're giving because it connects the circle, and when you give something, then you become closer to the material.
2: I think too that that opens up a possibility of you to be able to really relate on a personal level. Say, yeah, I've been there, man. I, I I've had tough times too, yeah. and that's what this book is about. Arjuna is going through a really tough time yeah. in his life, and this book helps me. You know, you just kind of yeah. make it personal.
0: Yeah. yeah. Good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that works
0: really well. Anything else?
2: I feel a little hesitant um, because I haven't read it, you know, and I feel almost uh, fraudulent in a way to, you know, pass something along that I'm not fully versed in. And then, what if they ask me a question? I mean, I have a good, you know, but you know that still makes me a
0: little nervous and yes i know i should just there's a lot sure it no it's true but <laughs> you can read it on the way out and there's a, the other thing is that uh, generally there's a there are a lot of aberrations things that can happen uh sometimes do but not very frequently so uh, in in my seminars a lot of people ask me what if this happens what if that happens i say uh has it ever happened to you and i say and they might say yes and i say out of, out of 20 encounters, how, many, how often does it happen? I say, well, what's out of 50? He said, don't worry about it then. It's not a big deal. Of course, you can always fill in those blanks uh, you know, and deal with it, but it's not something to get concerned about. Um, Tell me about Ramananda Saka. Well, Ramananda Saka, he was brand new. He just walked in the door. We were going out on book distribution. It was the first time the temple... I said, "Well, why don't you come with us?" And he goes, "Where are you going?" And I said, we said, "Sancturion." He goes, "What's that?" And I said, "Just come out, and find out." And you know, we set up a book table in front of a store uh, with permission, and there were three of us there, including Ramana Saka. That wasn't his name then; he got initiated. But he, um, you know, the two of us who were already veterans, we were selling books, and he was standing watching us. He was brand new, and then some more people came along to look at the table, and they. I just told him, you know, go for it. Go for it. And so I was listening to him, and he goes, "They they had a Shri Aruch in their hand." And he goes, "Well, I've heard this is a good book," <laughs> <laughs> and they bought it. Um, and also, you know, the more you go out, the more it makes you want to read the books too. And um, generally, I I don't have people challenging me on the philosophy very much. But if you have a basic understanding, that's all, you know, they'll appreciate. I mean. you know so much more than most people when it comes to this philosophy because they've been listening to it, studying it, and practicing it for a long time now. And the thing is that people don't know that much about it. When I take the Changing Bodies, I have a diorama exhibit. I take it to corporates like Salesforce and people go crazy for it. If you carry one of those those into a Hare Krishna temple, people just walk right by you because they've seen it a thousand times. And that's how we kind of Take for granted what we already know. It's like, yeah, I know we're not in the body, but if you show people changing bodies, look at this, they get really absorbed in it. In fact, it's the most popular exhibit at Rathiatris, the large changing body exhibits. I watch people all day long because oftentimes we have a book table next to it. They go get their friends, family, come here, Larry, Larry, no, come here, come here, you got to look at this, you know, whoa, get a picture, you know, and. I saw this one couple when I was in Montreal and uh, at the Theatre they had the big changing bodies and uh, this husband and wife were walking across the field it's before the Theatre started so they were the only ones there and I was watching them and they just happened to cross there and they stopped hand in hand to, to look at the changing bodies and they looked at it for about 30 seconds and the the lady freaked out she goes Let's get out of here, and she like pulled his hand because it, it alarmed her. you know so the things that you already know and the, the, the presentation that you already have is sufficient. They want to ask you, you're like, what's verse 442 <coughs> You don't know that? Why should I buy this book? But I do that with other people because sometimes in, in the past the Indians would say, yeah I already I already have that book." I say, okay, you have it. I'm going to give you a quiz on it. And if you pass the quiz, I'm going to let you go. <laughs> Otherwise, you've got to buy another one. And sometimes you do that. Okay. Yes, Prabhu?
2: just wanted to add something. Um, the recent, you know, you're talking about the whole book, right? Was saying, I, I had an experience where I saw two people in a truck. One was from California and one was from... From uh, Louisiana, they said they are truck buddies, and I opened my trunk with the books, and I turned around in the truck. I said hi. He said yes. What do you have? He said you know. He said books on yoga and meditation they teach you the art of higher consciousness. Higher consciousness. That's exactly what I was looking for in my life. <laughs> so I didn't have to go any further and explain the philosophy. You know. So. But I still went ahead, you know. There was another guy in the, in, in the truck and then showed the pictures, and they really liked it, and they both took Bhagavad Gita. And, uh, and they said, are, are they free? I said, You know, give some donation, but you know, we are not selling this book. And they were happy to give. So, but earlier in the big, so I'm saying you don't sometimes have to, you know, nobody's going to ask you so many mm-hmm. questions, mm-hmm. but sometimes, um, Somebody may ask you some difficult questions, but it gives you an opportunity to go back, read, study. Yeah. And I need to know the answer, so in case next time somebody asks me, I should be able to better answer this
0: question. That's right. That's how you get strong. That's a, part of the reason that Srila Bhaktisananda said it's you get spiritual blood for your spiritual body. Because unless you go up mix it up with people, or even, you know, talking to people here or wherever you're teaching Krishna Consciousness, people ask you the hard questions. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, then you go back and do the research. It doesn't mean you have to know everything. Nobody knows everything. And and I mean, even Krishna doesn't know all his own qualities because they keep increasing. So, you know, you can always get better. And the way to get better is to, is to keep getting challenged. and uh, And so that's why you get so... A versatile when you go out and meet people and you start learning things and you develop a repertoire too because i find there's a finite number of things that people will come back with because they're affected by the same modes of nature everybody else is and they'll say they'll say certain things that you can predict and you start to be able to just like astrologers they, they get really good at predicting things because they kind of see how the modes are shaping up and they go yeah this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And the same thing when you start to be able to size people up according to the, the modes that are prevalent in the person and also in the day, you, you start to get an idea. But you can be surprised a lot of times too. But it, it becomes more natural to sense whether people are open or not open, they're sincere or not. And that's really what you're doing is picking ripe fruits and you just get good at it after a while. Like avocados... I do avocados because I love them and I eat them every day. And I can tell a good avocado from across the room. It's like, yeah, that's a pretty good one. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I know it's the time of year. It's like, well, it looks good, but it's probably not because it's this time of year. You know, with everything, you start to develop a composite idea about what could happen and what it's like. Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Hey! Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman.